0: if I could go back and change something, it would be just to slow down, take my time, make sure I learn everything I need to know before I start rushing and doing things. And that way, you know, mistakes won't be, or at least more mistakes won't be made, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, but as we all know, mistakes are the greatest teacher of all. That's yes, very they true. Are. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the seventh episode of the Unofficial Lost year Film Podcast. I am joined by Kristen kenton Premier, and Adam Desjardins again. Say hello.
2: Hello. Hello, hello, hello.
1: So, hello. <laughs> so today's podcast, we'll be talking about our own student experiences uh, with film school and filmmaking in general. Uh, so we're all, all at varying levels here. Uh, Adam, you're in your first year, uh, mm. Kenton is finishing up his sophomore year. I'm finishing up my senior year, and Chris has finished school. So we all have varying levels of experience and age range, too, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's begin with Adam uh, with your experience with film, how you got interested in uh, interested in it, uh, where you are now, and film school.
0: Okay. Um, well, I guess I guess for me, uh, I've kind of always seen myself going down like the film route, just because I've always been really into like, um, like my my number one passion in life has always been acting. But growing up, I kind of realized that I need something to fall back on in case that doesn't work out, because you know, acting is not a very guaranteed career um so i thought about it and i'm like you know what i guess i'll go to film which is kind of funny because a lot of people have fallbacks for film and yet here film is my fallback (laughs) um (laughs) but i decided to go into that um also just because i've always loved film and stuff like that um i guess what really made me want to become a film major was i took a film class when i was in high school and we got to go on a tour of uh fox studios and i got you know we got to see all of the like filming locations that they have, like all the sets and stuff. And we got to see um, uh, their sound mixing rooms and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I could, I could see myself doing this for a career. And yeah, that's basically when I decided.
1: All right. And what about uh, why you came to La Sierra and what have you done while you're here?
0: Well, if I'm being completely honest, the biggest reason why I came to La Sierra is because I didn't really have much of a choice. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I kind of lucked out, though, that La Sierra has the film department that it has. Um, you know, because I feel like if I went to um, other schools that don't really have as strong of a film department or not a film department at all, I wouldn't really know what I would do. Uh, so I kind of lucked out in that aspect. Um, what was your second question? <laughs>
1: Uh, what have you done while you are first or in your first year as a film student?
0: I've just been you know i I worked on your set as a grip, of course, because I wanted to learn as much as I can could. and I'm still trying to learn as much as I can. Um, I've you know just been taking the the basic classes that freshmen take, and I've also um, kind of started doing my own shoots, and I'm kind of i've I've learned very much so that the greatest teacher, especially in our field, is experience. Um, and I'm learning that through doing my own shoots and making mistakes. So that way I learn from my mistakes and I don't make those same mistakes in the future. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. You've talked a little bit before about, uh, time management on set and trying to organize, uh, a project together can be difficult, especially when people, uh, have, do not have experience or do not, uh, exactly know their roles on set. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what have you learned in classes? What classes have you taken?
0: Um, I've taken, let's see, last quarter, I took basic production techniques and short script writing. The quarter before that, so fall quarter, I took storytelling, and I took one more class, but for some reason, I just can't remember the other class that I took. Um, so editing? Yes, editing. Thank you. I took editing. And then right now, I'm taking um, history of moving pictures and um, writing for t- writing for television comedy. And I'm learning that um, in in film, I, I very much learned, like not just in class, but through other experiences like my own stuff and working on your shoot, that you really can't do multiple jobs and be good at all those jobs. You have to really find what you're good at and really focus on that. Because if you try to do, you know, if you try to grip and gaff and, you know, uh, AD and do a bunch of different jobs on the set, eventually you're going to be overwhelmed and you're just going to end up not doing the best, whereas if you focus on your one job, you can really excel at that. So I'm, I'm, I'm slowly learning that, and I'm learning that film is a much more collaborative, uh, um, I guess, project or something than, than most other fields, if that makes sense.
1: Definitely, that definitely makes sense. What mm-hmm. else have you done besides your classes? Anything outside classes, or at least the film department that you've been involved in?
0: Um, outside of... The, honestly, I Next. don't really... Oh yes, <laughs> um, in ter- in terms of um, like you know acting and stuff like that, I'm involved at the in the La Sierra Drama Department. Um, I was recently in their Festival of One Acts. Um, I'm also a drama minor, so I'm going to be doing a lot more stuff there as well. So you know, with the combination of film and drama, we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> Is there anything that you wish you'd done differently in your first year?
0: Um, things I did differently. Or that I wish I'd done it differently. Um, I guess... Shoot, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, maybe I guess, not, not get too ahead of myself in some areas. Because um, I, I remember, like, right off of working on your set, I was like, okay, I can do this. This seems fun. And then I just rushed right into my first project, which was the direct and change one. And I didn't put nearly as much time as I needed to into scheduling things and stuff. And that's that's when all the problems started. So I feel like if I could go back and change something, it would be just to slow down, take my time, make sure I learn everything I need to know before I start rushing in doing things. And that way, you know, mistakes won't be, or at least more mistakes won't be made, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, but as we all know, mistakes are the greatest teacher Well, That's yes, very they true. are. they are. Uh, Chris and Kenton, any questions for Adam really briefly?
3: Uh, what are you looking forward to, man? Like, what are you looking forward to in the future? Um, I'm really, I'm honestly
0: really looking forward to being, just more involved in film stuff, whether it be um, writing, uh, working on set, you know, acting in films. I just, I, I love, you know, I, I, I really enjoy being on set and working. It's, It's a really nice experience to be, working on a collaborative project with a bunch of other people who are just as passionate for that as you. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to working on more sets and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Hmm.
1: Kenton, anything for Adam?
2: Um, what do you hope to get out of next year's schooling? Or scratch that. What do you hope <laughs> to get out of
0: film classes online compared to <laughs> in school? Ooh. <laughs> um, I, I feel like... If I'm being honest, I feel like I kind of lucked out in that in that aspect, just because since my only film classes are history, moving pictures, and um, writing for television comedy, those two classes aren't very much hands-on, like a, as like maybe like a, a class like lighting or something would be. So I feel like in that area I kind of lucked out a little bit, but it's it's still going to be interesting. Um, I feel like online classes, at least we we, can, we I'm sure we can all you know we all know that online classes have taken quite the learning curve for us and for film class i'm sure that's especially difficult because film is very much hands-on um i can't even imagine how a class like basic production techniques would um how that would go in an online setting um so yeah it's i feel like i kind of lucked out in that aspect but it's still quite the learning curve you know
1: just really briefly before we move on to kenton do you feel like you're missing out on not having hands-on classes?
0: Um, yes and no. And I I say that because I feel like the hands-on classes are important because, you know, you learn these valuable skills that you bring to um, you know, the set and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's it's something that's not going to go away for me, you know. It's it's not like um, it's not like missing like one lighting class means i'm never going to learn lighting you know what i mean like there's going to be plenty of experiences for me to learn all of this stuff down the road um especially when i work on more people's sets and stuff like that and i work with more people who are more experienced than i am and they're able to teach me that stuff so i feel like i'm really not missing out on on too much other than just the feeling of um learning together with my peers um you know in, in a setting like that but outside of that i feel like i'm not really missing out on too much if that makes sense
1: Okay, all right, Kenton. Let's go on to you. Talk about your experience, how you got into film. Okay. Um, why are you doing film right now, and stuff that you've learned? Okay, so
2: I'm gonna go back to when I first actually thought about it, and that was in my junior year of high school because my English teacher at the time taught, or he didn't teach, but he showed a movie called Dead Poets Society. Oh, I love it. And I was like, that movie was at the time it was my favorite movie it's still one of my favorite movies and just like pretty much that was like my first like thought of oh film is really cool instead of just i like star wars and lord of the rings because they're epic (laughs) like battle movies and i have what kid doesn't like fights (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's how i first initially had a thought of film and then in the summer before i got to college i was choosing majors I had my brother who was already a nurse in the real, in like out of school and everything. So I was like, I'm going to start off with that because I know it's a solid job and it'll make money. But then um, about a month and a half into my first quarter, I was like, eh, this isn't for me. And it's not like I did it because the classes were hard or anything. I just couldn't see myself enjoying that. So I was looking at different majors to choose from. And then I was like, hmm, film. That seems like it could be a cool and fun degree and it could be a fun life and career. So I initially started as a film production major. And my first film class was with or was basic production techniques last year. And really that class introduced me to so much so many things that I didn't know. Cause at first I felt like, oh crap, I know nothing. <laughs> and then like I just kept on learning more and more and enjoying it more and more. And I started thinking, oh, wow, this is actually quite a bit of fun. So I went through that for my first or for my second two quarters of the year. And then uh, into my my first quarter of this year, I was in Stu's sound production class. It's like, hmm, sound is pretty cool. And I just started getting more and more into that. And then I decided I'm going to switch my major to sound post-production. So I've been running with that. And then I had Sean's class and that class was probably my favorite class I've ever had. Like I learned so much. I got to listen to music that I wouldn't ever even listen to normally. I got to experience movies completely differently in 5.1 surround sound. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like that class really confirmed my decision. And that's pretty much where I am today from all of that and i think it's been very helpful it's been very i've learned so much that i had no idea about and it's been a lot of fun
1: uh so what uh what, what do you wish you would have learned more in your in your first year i mean do you wish you would have started film in your first quarter and when...
2: uh, my first yeah i think it would have been nicer to have that like first initial basis. I would have gotten the editing class done, which I still haven't done. (laughs) But yeah, I think it would have been better to start off as film. I wouldn't be quote unquote behind some people that are at my age level, but I'm just not really concerned about that as much. But I think I would have, if I could do it differently, I would go back, start off like that and start working on stuff way earlier and try and hone my skills more than how I am today.
1: Chris, Adam, any questions for Kenton?
3: Ooh. What excites you about sound post? Um, are you interested in sound effects? Are you interested in music? Are you interested in overall mixing? Is there any like aspect that really excites you or like kind of tickled your interest maybe? Okay.
2: So the first thing that actually interested me was like because i used to i'm still really into sci-fi movies but i always really like sound effects so i was like hmm how is the light how is the lightsaber sound made and it's made by a guy hitting a power line with a wrench
0: <laughs> wow
2: <laughs> and it just has that super like low vibration to it and it sounds super cool and i was just like hmm that seems like it would be fun to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then wow going into Sean's class where I learned more about the music side of things for sound, I was like, wow, some music is just soup is changed instantly by like one instrument. And like there's this one song from one of the Transformers movies. I don't know, they're all the same to me. But <laughs> they have this one song where like French horns come in and they're, they're he, played it without the french horns and then with the french horns and when he played it with the french horns man you just feel the power into the scene like you get so much more emotion from it and it's just so cool to like see the differences and things like that
1: nice adam any questions
0: um i guess was there like a was there a specific like can can you name a specific movie where you watched it um I, I guess you said star wars but is there, is there like a specific movie where you watched it and then you heard like all the different effects and you're like wow this is what i want to do like can you can you name like a movie that made you realize that you want to do sound blade runner
2: and blade runner 2049
0: <laughs> nice
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah in fall quarter of this year i was like i watched youtube videos on those two movies probably like five a day wow <laughs> i looked up the sound engineer for blade runner 2049 and i like my only recommended page on youtube was like all videos of him
3: <laughs> <laughs> i
2: started listening that's to the great. dolby sound podcast even and i was like hmm, who can
1: i look up <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome all right all right let's move on then to chris mr sin uh <laughs> So let's talk about your experience. What have you done um, before school? What did you get into in in college, and anything in between?
3: Yeah, sure. So um, kind of started when I was in high school. I got I was fortunate enough to work with my school. Uh, it was a Christian SDA campus, and part of that is you have a ministry directors program, which kind of like lets you get out of religion and uh, you know in contrast to uh, you basically get out of religion by serving the campus in some way. And so one of my jobs on campus was to be chapel director. So that meant learning how to produce a program, learning how to function and operate lighting systems and rigging systems, learning how to operate sound, learning how to essentially like program uh, a, a day for, uh, for one specific um, worship service. And that kind of got me started. And from there, I got invited by University Church in Little Melinda to come work for them. And so I went there and I started mixing their programs and their services. And I learned a lot more about um, live sound mixing and live broadcasting. From there, I, th- I kind of got the interest of doing something tech related because my grandfather had um, my grandfather had uh, won two specific awards for mixing in the Olympics. And so I was really interested in that. And so I decided I wanted to go into college and, and I wanted to go pursue a, a degree in film. So I chose La Sierra mostly just because of proximity. And I went in with the, with the desire to get a degree in religious studies and a desire to get a degree in film. And my freshman year was very, very interesting. Like everyone else, it was a whole new world of stuff that you really don't get exposed to prior to college or prior to um, having some sort of like firsthand connection. And I just decided I don't want to learn passively. I want to be a very active learner and participant in my education. And so I just went up to every senior that I knew of or that I like was introduced to. And I said, hey, can I be on your film? Like, I'll do literally anything. I will, you know, just show up and you tell me what you need. And so I just started getting on stuff. And I actually pulled up a document that I have, which has all of the films that I've worked on since starting. Um, and... The first thing I did, uh, other than my own stuff, was a film called Watch Bear. And Watch Bear was a interesting kind of horror, kind of like children's story come to life film made by Cesar Saldana, who is a alumni of La Sierra University. And that was one of the first times I got introduced to a lot of people. And just from there, I just started getting on more sets. And it was really fascinating to learn very, very quickly. By following the seniors that were ahead of me, so since then I've just been taking classes, uh, working on other people's sets as much as I could, and eventually I was also working jobs and saving up money. And eventually, my junior year around there, I bought my own equipment, and from there I kind of took off into getting more jobs, being hired on set instead of just volunteering. And my name just kept getting spread around and spread around and spread around, and then I just kept working on more stuff, and. Let me just quickly add up all of my projects. And since I started, I have worked on a total of 52 projects. Wow. Good job. I have at least 52 credits out in the world. Um, Whether those films are published or not is whatever. But (laughs) I've worked on at least 52 things, some of which have gotten paid for, some of which I haven't. But all of them have informed my filmmaking experience.
1: Adam, Kenton, any questions for Chris?
3: I do, actually. Um, So
0: I know you and I went to the same high school at different different times, of course. Um, Yes, we did. Yes. (laughs) And I know that this school doesn't exact... It's not exactly known for churning out film majors. You know what I mean? Especially... Yeah, you you, you know what I mean. So what... In an environment like that, um, where, you know you're you're one of the only people who doesn't want to go into, you know, a certain, you know, field or industry. What, what, well, how, how did you feel about going into film while you were in high school? When you're surrounded by people who didn't want to do that,
3: if that makes sense. Oh, man. Um, so this is kind of like very specific to our high school. I'm not going to name it. If you know where we went, you know where we went. Um, <laughs> but in general, the the climate and the attitude of that high school is very much, you're going to this school because this school churns out people who will go into pre-med or go into something in the medical field, which is completely fine if you want to do that, but if you have no desire to do that, the stigma behind choosing anything else is almost as if you're downgrading yourself or you know, you're choosing a, a worse path in life is kind of the stigma behind it. And uh, there was a lot of emphasis on grades and status and who got the highest you know scores on tests and all this other jazz. And so choosing to go into film was kind of difficult because my first year in college, I was actually rooming with a friend of mine who was doing pre-med. And I can tell you that even though we were friends, even though we were friends in high school, even though we were going to the same college and going to, you know, take different courses and stuff, there was definitely a lot of um, superiority complex that was in that room. And it was kind of hard to almost try to justify me getting an education for doing this type of thing and but, but I guess that's just a broader thing of um, the arts in general being stigmaed and you know being seen as less than uh, more traditional academic degrees
1: uh, I think I think especially in adventism we I mean, there is a heavy focus on the medical field mm-hmm. and researchers and other scientific uh, uh, postings which are it's just a little bit intriguing because lots of evolution is learned <laughs> as a science <laughs> major <laughs> is composed <laughs> to like, as opposed to like um, at least the more conservative side of Adventism. You know, mm-hmm. I just kind of find that part a little, post- uh, a little interesting. I mean, I think all Adventist academies kind of mm-hmm. feel that kind of mm-hmm. uh, stigma towards choosing something other than uh, the medical field.
3: Yeah, Yeah. one specific area that I can kind of point out is that um, a lot of people, I like one of the justifications I had to give to my roommate is I had told him, if you really don't think that this is a worthwhile endeavor, stop participating in everything that media and art gives you. So stop watching TV, stop watching movies, stop going (laughs) on the internet, because (laughs) someone had to graphically design a lot of stuff that you watch and see and use, stop using basically everything in your life that gives you entertainment.
2: Yeah, pretty much stop having fun.
3: Yeah, yeah, basically yeah. stop, like, part of what artists do is that they create create something that kind of helps you cope with life or helps you relate to life in a different way. And, and also in that aspect, they help you escape a lot of what you're dealing with. And mm-hmm. so after I kind of told my friend that, he kind of got put into perspective of what I was doing, and then it was a little bit better. Um, but being an art major, coming from Coming from a background that really values, like, high education and um, that kind of whole profession, it's really hard sometimes, but it's also a really valuable thing to be able to tell a story and tell it meaningfully.
0: Yeah. I, I, I saw this one post um, recently. It was it was talking about the whole quarantine thing, but it said says, it says something along the lines of, remember how the arts kept you sane during quarantine, you know? And mm-hmm. it makes sense. It's like, you know, like, during quarantine, I can guarantee you not many people are going to say, you know what, I'm bored. I'm going to go do some math equations. Like nobody ever ever does that. (laughs) Like everyone goes to Netflix. Everyone goes to, you know, video games. Everyone goes to books, you know? So just remember what kept you sane during um, quarantine, whenever you decide to diss film majors. Just putting that out there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think one thing that is very key to the arts is that it is very like, essential to humanity because it is a form of expression mm-hmm. and that it gives us a way to communicate with others not just in the story form but even in like a, a visual 2D medium or something of that sort uh, because I, don't know, I, I kind of think of it like if we're playing sports at least for me like it is kind of a therapy because I can just go out and like I'm have some fun and my mind is off of what I was doing before and now it's just focusing on this thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With art, with like especially with painting, like when you're like stroking or when you're drawing or doing anything. It is a very like uh almost a thera- therapeutic process of making sure everything is meticulous and neat and designed well. And it is that kind of expression of yourself and you take that involvement into it, whereas in in film also you are also like involved in it because you are engaged with the story, you are engaged with what's happening on screen. I think mm-hmm. that's key for humanity,
3: yeah, absolutely mm-hmm.
1: uh, Chris, is there anything that you wish you would have learned in film school or anything that you wish you focused on more
3: um I wish that I started working on my own stuff sooner. I think that if I had worked on stuff sooner, I would have been able to receive more critique and I would have been able to create better stories. Every single time I have made a film, have shot something, have edited something and put it out or, you know, gave it to whoever needs it, um, I always look at it at the end of it and I'm like, wow, I could have done so many things better. And I wish I had more opportunities to do that in film school and I wish that I took more of an effort to make projects, even if someone around me or if I didn't have enough people around me to help. So that is my big regret. <laughs>
1: when did you make your first film?
3: Oh, man, okay. So, so technically speaking, I did a video for La Sierra University Church as my very first video of being in film school. And I did it... As a, uh, to basically highlight a bunch of people who were getting baptized, and that was like my first video that I did. Um, after that, I was doing videos for those part school of business to highlight them. But my first film of my own was during my sophomore year of spring 2017. It was a film called TA, and it was a horror film written around um, a TA who comes in late at night to grade some tests for her professor because they didn't uh prepare well enough and they're trying to escape and figure out how to you know flee this building that's supposed to be familiar to them so that was my first film then the spring of 2017.
1: and why did you make uh ta
3: i made ta because i had recently gone uh, at the end of my freshman year or the spring of my freshman year to our adventist film festival sunscreen I saw a lot of films there and I really just thought to myself wow I could do a lot better than this and this is me speaking as a freshman who really hadn't made a film yet but I thought wow I can do better than this so I decided I'm going to do better than this so I wrote a script I had it rewritten several times I um casted people I got a crew together I pitched it to my DP um and we filmed it and it was a big learning experience, but I'm pretty proud of it for being the first film that I wanted to do. Um, It was not great (laughs) in (laughs) retrospect, Um, but for the scale of what it was for being my first film for, you know, my first real shot at it, I think I did a pretty good job and I learned a lot from it. I definitely learned a lot from it. It was the first time I learned. Oh man, I learned I needed to be way more organized than I was. (laughs) <laughs> I learned I needed to schedule in more days so that would be a lot more time for people to work and so we wouldn't have to be at such a quick pace. I learned that a lot of the core of the story needs to come from the script. Like, I needed to get that script so finely tuned that it would be a shame if it couldn't be reflected in the visuals. I learned that on editing, sometimes you just got to... You know edit it the way you think you do, get critique for it, edit it again, and then put it down because if over overworking something is just as bad as uh, writing a really bad script um, And also I learned that sometimes you gotta you gotta learn a bunch of skills that you don't have. So one of the things I wrote into the script originally was this whole text chain that I had and I was thinking to myself, man I, I don't know how to animate that in I don't know how to animate a text <laughs> chain in oh how do i do that oh man okay so i looked up a youtube tutorial and i followed it and i'm like wow this looks really good and then watching the video back now i'm like wow this is really garbage (laughs) (laughs) because in my most recent film i did the same thing where i wrote it in text chain and this time i animated it and i think it's a lot more fitting than uh my my first attempt but it shows progression i suppose
1: what do you is, is there like something that you kind of regret uh, now that you've graduated?
3: <laughs> um, I regret not reaching out to my fellow film students more. I think that I could have done a lot more if I had really tried to be as energetic with my fellow classmates and with my underclassmen in the same way that I was with my seniors when I was a freshman. If I had reached out more and if I had asked people, hey, do you want to be on this thing more? Versus, you know thinking that, oh, no, I can only ask people above me for help because they're the ones that actually have the knowledge. I think if I kind of like rallied around my fellow uh, classmates more, it would have been better. And to some degree I did, but to some degree, I know that I also could have done a lot to uh, work with the people around me.
1: Kenton, Adam, any questions for Chris?
2: Um, when, was there ever a time when you thought this isn't for me, this degree?
0: Oh,
3: <laughs> getting in deep. Um,
2: and Brendan, you can answer this after, too.
3: All right, <laughs> I'm gonna say not so much that this degree isn't for me, but man, do I regret going to film school. Hmm. Um, I think that this is kind of a value judgment that everyone has to make and everyone has to assess on their own. Um, because we're paying, we're going to a university and we're paying a lot of money to go and receive an education. And usually for us, that means that if you put in money to something, you expect to get some type of return out of it, or you expect to get something of equal value out of your education. And I honestly have recognized that the vast majority, if not like 90%, 99% of my education has really come from me working on these projects and not come from me sitting in a classroom, listening to a lecture, taking a test, or, you know, just passively observing. It's really come from me being in the set, doing the work and listening to other experts in who are around me. It has not really come from a, from a standard education, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I really don't know when that kind of ticked over for me somewhere between my sophomore and junior year. I kind of realized that, wow, this amount of money that I'm paying is really not worth the education that I'm receiving. Um, that's kind of when that judgment was made for me. But I also recognize that having a degree, even if it's just a film degree, even if it's just whatever, it's still a bachelor's and a bachelor's degree does go a long way, even if you don't end up working in the film industry. So I just kind of realized that I gained a lot more value in working with other people than I did listening to a lecture or taking a test.
2: Hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I get that.
1: Yeah, I think for for me, I think it's along the similar lines uh, that, that you said, Chris, that I don't know whether or not um, the education I was receiving was worth the costs that <laughs> was being put forth by my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Simply because there were times where I was like sitting in the classroom and I was like, wow, I should be like, doing more i should be doing something like by myself or like going out and focusing more or like spending the time to learn more rather than like being like uh distracted in like a class or you know watching youtube videos in like another class or something like that it's just like (laughs) i i felt personally that i was not like as engaged as i should be and therefore this wasn't for me and then therefore um why am i wasting my money but Mm -hmm. I think it's that's just down to like my own kind of real, like once I realized that, you know, it was like it, it's it's like another reminder for me to like keep going and keep going, and keep going, and keep, going and keep pushing for it rather than just being like, ah, no, this isn't for me, I'll just give up. Mm-hmm. But you know, it is intriguing because at times it's like, why am I wasting my time? And when I could, I have, like, really been done with, like, a nursing degree right now. (laughs) But I think I know for myself personally that I, it's, like, really, well, for me personally, like, I know that, like, the grinds of, like, a a medical degree would be really tough on me simply Mm -hmm. because, like, I don't have that motivation to do it. And it's more, and like, my thought of like, maybe this isn't for me is simply a fact, a fact of like, or a thought of, like, maybe I should have just grinded it out and done it.
3: Hmm.
1: It's not that I, I shouldn't have, shouldn't be doing film. It's like, maybe I should have just grinded it out and done yeah. medical.
3: I think that you bring up a really interesting point. Um, there's definitely points in class where I recognize I had this like very apathetic attitude toward what was happening either the information being presented was stuff that I already knew or it was repetitive or it was um, uninformative or uninspiring to some degree. And I think when I hit those points, that's when I really did kind of question, like, is it worth me going to film school to get a film degree if this is how I'm feeling about these classes? But the thing that did energize me and give me inspiration and excitement is when I did get to go and do those projects. And often that would be you know, I would like cling on to the people that had that same kind of feeling.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like the people surrounding you as a person and me (laughs) (laughs) and uh, going and working on things definitely brings back that kind of um, feeling of like joy and happiness and like, this is what I want to do Mm -hmm. rather Mm -hmm. than if I was to, I personally, if I was to walk into a hospital and be like, okay, gotta take care of this person. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing, but I don't think that's for me.
3: So, yeah. and I think it's yeah, kind of important too. Yeah, I think it's kind of important too for film majors because obviously there's not, you know, people coming into film, um, they need to kind of discover very early if this is really what they want to do in life because it's contract to contract job. There's no benefits. It's really about long hours, sometimes in the heat, sometimes in the elements. It's long hours if you're editing it or if you're on the post side it's long hours if you're doing all the setup and the scheduling and you got to kind of really love what you're going to be doing in the future if you want to actually do a film degree it is not easy in any sense and it's not going to be easy in the future it really has to be something that motivates you to get up every day get up at 4 a.m get up at 3 a.m sometimes and go to set and be there for 14 hours and then get home and then realize you have to do that again tomorrow. There, you have to really love it to be a film major, to be honest. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I was just gonna say that. Uh, um I I totally agree with you there, and I feel like one of the biggest stigmas of not not just film but the arts in general general is that people assume that because it's an art that immediately makes it easy. It's mm-hmm. a lot of it's not easy. You know, like like you were saying, these fourteen hour days when you're like exposed to the elements and stuff and just all that set work it's not easy like um like i've never worked on like a big set or anything but um i know from talking to people that like um when you're working on a set as like a grip and you're constantly moving gear that that's a lot of work that's like a workout right there (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you're working doing that every single day for 10 plus hour days all day and then you know if you're editing you're going to be spending a lot of time doing that um, so just because it's an art doesn't mean it's in any way easy at all, um, and I just I just think that's that's a stigma with the arts that
3: I don't like. <laughs> yeah, well, with my friends, the way that I combat that stigma is I kind of put it in perspective how much time and money and effort I put into a project. So, for instance, um, my first project, uh, my first my junior year project, right? I'm totally fine telling you guys how much I spent that. Um, my junior year project. Took me probably okay, I had planned it for an entire quarter. I took a weekend and a half approximately to shoot it. And then from there I took another I took um, the whole back end quarter to then edit it. So basically it's a year-long process, right? Mm-hmm. I spent uh, I built up money and I spent about two thousand of my own dollars to make that set work, to pay certain people, to get a certain equipment, etc. Um, I sanded down and repainted a piano. You know, wow. for this. And on top of all of that, that project took me a year, right? And it's a film that's like twelve minutes long. <laughs> you tell <laughs> any med student or whatever, you tell anyone who's done academic work, um, yeah, you have to work an entire year for this project to be done. You have to spend two thousand of your own dollars while own dollars while going to school. And then even after all of that, it may not be successful. Yeah, that's that that's really easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy. So putting stuff into perspective, um, a good artist invests as much as they can into their work. And if it's really good work, it shows. But to get there, they have to do a lot of practice. And a lot of bad work. <laughs> yeah, don't well, yeah, no, believe me, a lot yeah. of my stuff I've done is bad work. <laughs> yeah. All right. so um, Brendan, you were going to add something.
1: Um, well. I was just going to say that not all uh, film jobs are contractual and gig-based. There are some that are more like, you know, like full-time media person at XXX company.
3: Um, Oh, Brendan, no, we don't do that. (laughs) Oh, I suppose <laughs> X, X, X X isn't
1: or sorry, X uh, A B C company. Oh, okay. Uh, there you go.
3: See if you <laughs> yeah. go into that industry, I don't know the turnaround of that. I've never been in that. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really realize sucked. that
1: was the type. Um yeah, but yeah, they're all full time jobs at like A B C companies and or corporate commercial uh jobs, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you don't have like the long hours and the long days because there's still that set work time and that grind time to complete a deadline uh, or to shoot something. Uh, Yeah, so let's move on. I'll give a brief rundown about my own experience and then we can just quick fire questions back and forth and answers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so my interest in film um, started Sorry, Kenton from Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> uh, not mainly the movies, but uh, the behind the scenes. And I was, I think, in uh, eighth grade. Uh, so I blame my mom for getting me into film, even though she's a healthcare worker. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <I'm wrong>. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so eighth grade, started getting the film. I thought, like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, then there's that stigma, of course, of it from the Adventist community. So I was like is this really for me huh? I don't really like want to openly admit it that I want to do film uh, and then uh senior year I uh, did my uh, student association or I was my student association's videographer person um, so I just like recorded events and stuff like that made all the videos uh, and then made a couple like films for or Projects for classes to get away from like written stuff. Uh, <laughs>
3: nice. Yeah,
1: and then, uh, yeah, went to came to La Sierra because I thought it was like the best like at least film school choice of, um, in terms of its like cost and like what what am I and the, what I'm familiar with and its proximity towards Los Angeles. Uh, came to La Sierra, uh. Took classes at nighttime because that year I think all film classes were at night. And when I first came in, I was like, "Oh wow, there's so much more I do not know." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I came in, you know, I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm just going around my uh, mirrorless camera and i will just capturing stuff." And that's what filmmaking is, right? <laughs> Come in, you know, I see this like, "Oh, that's 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 a light."
3: Uh, <laughs> how do I turn this on? Yeah.
1: Uh, how how. Wait, so, okay, so we have a crew of, like, 10 in this class, so how can we make this look good, you know? And so th- my first year, I was, like, completely, like, overblown by everything. I was like, wow, this is so amazing, this is so amazing. Second year, I made my own project uh, outside of class, which took me oh, uh, quite a long time. Uh, it's called Distant Lights. Uh, we'll talk about it soon. <laughs> um in my but my first year I just made classes for projects for or, I mean projects for classes. I didn't make anything serious seriously. Um so second year made my own uh, project outside of the class. Somewhere after my sophomore year, me and John Wong uh made a short film called Nothing Grows Here. We like the to color tomatoes. Yes, it uh is. yes. <laughs> um it's not bad for what it is, but it's also like not it's not like uh on Rotten Tomatoes. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Third year, I made uh, that year-long project, which is still in post-production for sound mixing. And senior year, I have made my own, uh, my senior thesis. And in between that, I've made two other short films, uh, documentary, and I've worked on several sets. Like Chris, I haven't worked on that many, uh, but I think it's been around 40 as of now, this moment, Uh, varying from student films to um, helping like John out and a couple of things uh, to uh, just other uh, conference stuff. Uh, Probably my biggest thing that opened my eyes in filmmaking was uh, the summer after my... Uh, freshman year when. Oh
3: man, I didn't even talk about this. Yeah.
1: I know. So, so I'll, I'll just describe it. So, Loveland University Church uh, Media, thanks to Sue Hardy, does or hopefully does or has been doing a uh, video uh, type related thing for the past several years. The first year, uh, I think that well, was like what four years ago was a yep short uh, web series. And then the year after, which was uh, this t- time that I'm describing, it was an independent feature film called LOD. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris worked on that as a uh, boom-op-in-town. Boom up up. Yeah, boom-op-in yeah, up. Boom up utility. Yeah. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to come on it for a week and a couple of days because one of their uh, other uh, crew members had something else uh, during that time. And so Eric Hardy asked me to come second AC uh, for the shoot. And that is when I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) This this is what it is.
3: Yeah, let's describe um, this production. So um, Melody, it was a feature, like it's an independent feature film. And it was a very ambitious feature film because it was decided that the production time was going to be a month. So for a month straight all the weekdays we would go be, and be on set like essentially like all day and for a month straight that was basically our lives
1: yeah so that was Chris's life I came on for like a week and a couple of days <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that time really opened my eyes to uh, at least a bigger set and what filmmaking could really be and that's I think why I love second so much because, like, that time was just, like, a glorious time for me.
3: We should also specify that, like, um, when you kind of go to a set and you see equipment that is worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, right, or you're holding a a lens that is worth your entire tuition in one (laughs) hand, right, it kind of, like, gives the set this kind of air of professionality. But only if everyone on that set understands that that equipment is just a tool, and everyone understands that that tool is really there to serve the greater story. And so, I think for Melody, it had that air of professionalism and this air of, um, like care that kind of elevated it to that place where Brendan and I were both like blown away and just like, "Whoa, this is what it could be." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's still like you know very some very. Uh you know, unprofessional stuff about like um about it, because, you know, not everything is perfect, but it was still like this is this is what it could be, this is what it is. And this is what happens when everybody works together to complete this uh single idea. And that is an amazing thing. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that's briefly my experience. Uh well, obviously lots keep- of details left out, but you
3: know. <laughs> Before we get too far away from it, though, Brendan, we should note that your senior thesis film is award-winning at Sunscreen. Yes. <laughs> award-winning as the jury selection. So I will
1: zip my mouth on that. Because I <laughs> I need to maintain this aura of humbleness. So I say... no, See,
3: that's why I'm here. So I'll brag for you. I'll brag for you. <laughs> so brag for you. Congratulations, no, Brendan. It, it is important to kind of note that... Um, Brendan made a film that was very, very, very well put together and had a crew and had a team and obviously a lot of work and script writing and long, sleeveless nights by himself to figure out how to put this story together. And it was good enough to recognize, be recognized by a jury of independent judges at a film festival. Granted, it's the SDA film festival, but it's still a film festival um, amongst 46, 46, I believe, other entrants. And... Of those 46 entrants, Brendan's film was chosen as the jury selection. So it, it should be noted that Brendan has put in a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of care into crafting a good story, one that would be recognized by other people. And in this case, it was. So gra- and congratulations, a lot of, Brendan. And a
1: lot of bad films, too, after. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but all I of think, those bad films built up to help you with this one. There
1: yeah, and I think that, that's the key part because, you know, so many... We are still learning. Everybody is still learning, even like Martin Scorsese is still learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but merely I think it is at least I am somewhat proud of actually learning <laughs> filmmaking uh, coming out of high school and just being like, oh, this is how I put together an, an event video to crafting a story I think is two, are, are two very different Uh, skill sets, and it has taken a long time in order to at least put something together that is decent. And I couldn't have done it without everybody that was involved. And not just on that film, but throughout the years as well, because everything kind of builds up and builds up and builds up. And, you know, the next thing may not always be as good it might suck more but it's just you know it's just like focusing on the next one i think that is at least i do it's just my thoughts but.
3: <laughs> absolutely i think you gotta i think you gotta do a lot of things and make a lot of mistakes to learn what you should and should not do and like you were saying before it's not just the people that helped you with that film it's the people that helped you in the past and every other film prior that really helped you get to the point where you can tell a really good story and like you were saying, we have a lot to learn and a lot to keep going forward with, so that's part of filmmaking and art in general. There's always something more to improve on.
1: Yeah. Adam, for Brendan, or, Brendan let's, ask, let's
3: ask you yes. questions now. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm just going
1: to say Adam, Kenton, Chris, any questions for me? Or, or for any of us? So.
3: I'll ask you the same one you asked me, Brendan. Um, looking back now, what do you wish you had done differently coming into film school? Um, and is there anything you regret about uh, the process, or anything along the way,
1: yeah, so I think touching upon what I said earlier regarding Kenton's question is that I wished I did spend more time focusing on stuff that I wanted to learn, but at the same time it's because I didn't know that I should have learned it so i I wish that um, more resources would have been available to me to. Guide me in the direction of what I should be doing, because figuring out for yourself kind of sucks. Um, figuring out with somebody else who can guide you definitely rocks. Oh, yeah. um, and so I think something that I wish I would have had, especially in my first two years, was a lab time. Like I know that like kind of, kind of sucks, especially for like a science student who like has to like do these labs. But like, if there was like a set lab time for like four hours and like uh, four hours on one night of the week to actually just go in and really take time to do an assignment rather than like, oh yeah, just go out and shoot it, I think would have definitely helped to elevate uh, my skills definitely earlier and my knowledge earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what I wish I would have had.
2: Mm. Um, Brandon, what is your favorite memory of film school? (laughs) (laughs) That Um, means not, if it does not include me, it is not valid. Oh (laughs) my god! (laughs) Oh,
1: my favorite... okay, do you... are we talking about film school in general, like just like my four years, or like specifically in the film department? or specifically like associate with the film department or just like anything film related Any
2: four years of, yeah anything from these four years of school
1: okay um well if it's anything within the four years i would say uh melody i think um just in general my favorite thing would be the people hmm. uh because I definitely would not be here where I am without everyone involved. And that includes you, Kenton, and you, Adam, and you, Chris. Um, You
3: spoil us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I I don't know. It's hard to put my finger on one specific moment in time or one specific thing and just say... Um, I don't know people are very important to me so I think for now I'll say people
0: <laughs> okay top three people no I'm kidding <laughs>
1: Ooh, man. Uh, it uh, me myself and I <laughs>
0: <laughs> good answer good answer oh my goodness um I just remember my question by the way um are you done answering that question by the way yeah I'm done okay I just don't want to, I don't want to cut you off um anyways so my question um what what advice would you give to a film student who wants to gain more experience uh, outside of the film department, and I guess you could say kind of broaden their horizons. Because you know, um, when you're working in the film in the film department, you can just kind of walk up to a senior or an upperclassman or whatever and say, "Hey, I want to work on your set," and then that's basically how you get on the sets. But what would you tell t- to someone who wants to start working on more sets like outside of the film department?
1: Yeah. So something I think that has been reiterated again and again and again on this podcast is um, as Chris coins, you never know if you don't ask. And so if you want to get experience outside the film department, just go out and ask people. <laughs> like, okay. Go out and ask the business uh, school. Go out and ask uh, your local businesses. Go out and ask um, any random person on the street if you can do a documentary on them or something. You know, mm. it's <laughs> it's but you know, it, it sounds like so simple, and then when you think about it, it's like, oh shoot, I have to spend the time to do that, and that's what gets you. But so And so that's why you have to make sure it's something that you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Because you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, I'll just, you know, animate this one thing on this animation software, but then like your animation takes a long time. Um, and so it's... Learning to gain experience outside the film department, I'd, I'd say a piece of advice would be to find something that you're especially interested in, whether that be making a documentary or, um, you know, making an action movie or making, um, or you know, doing a commercial for a your local coffee shop. You know, just go out and just ask, um, and and I think that key thing is to make sure that's really something you want to do. Because, of course, I'm interested in doing a documentary. I'm interested in doing a commercial for my local coffee shop. But is that something that I really want to spend the time doing? And that's uh, something that, you know, only an individual can answer for themselves.
3: mm -hmm. Add on to that. I think another thing you can do, which um, is really important, is, like, recognize the community of people that are around you. And I mean, like, in general community, not just, like, in your school. I think that... um, if you live in a city that has multiple colleges like Riverside does or multiple universities, recognize that some of them also have film departments, you know, recognize that they probably also look for people that need, you know, that could be a war body on the set, recognize that there's more opportunities. If you expand your net wider, um, Mm -hmm. if you have a car or a vehicle or means of transportation, maybe try expanding yourself out more into other communities and other cities. Um, you learn a lot just kind of figuring out what other people do and also figuring out what they're doing wrong. So in that case, it's better to, to, you know, fish from a bigger pool than just our, you know, our own community.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: All right, Brendan, my question. <laughs> um, is there anything you regret now looking backwards at your, uh, career in college?
1: Um, I regret not going out and asking people (laughs) (laughs) because, man, you know, I feel like definitely less so now, but definitely when I first entered film school, you know, it's not just the stigma about the arts that other people have. It's the stigma that you hold in your own self about, you know, film because many people are afraid to go and ask because like, oh man i gonna think I'm weird because it's a, doing a video, you know, and that kind of stigma in my own self at the time was especially like uh, very, I think, uh, hurtful in terms of what I could have done. And so I regret not just going out and um, asking more people and then also focusing on my own self and improving my own skills, um, mainly because I don't think I really had somebody to help guide me. And that was something that I regret not having. <laughs> so,
3: All right, yes. sounds like, hmm. it sounds um, like we're at the point where it's just general Q&A. <laughs> yes, let's do
1: general Q&A. Any q and for anybody. Ooh. I think one thing that I do want to say, touching upon what Adam said earlier about not having hands on classes, is that, like, if, like, looking back on it, Adam, if I was in your position, like, it sucks. Yeah. This time is valuable. And, like, especially in your first year, this is, like, when you have to, like, go out and make mistakes. Mm-hmm and also make some good stuff hopefully (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but like i say if you can try and do some hand stuff on like in your own home whether that be with like your parents or somebody else just like you know do a documentary at home or like (laughs) you know try and try and do some stuff at home because like this this time is how or this time is invaluable to your learning uh, curve Mm
0: -hmm. um touching on that actually a quick question for you um so how how would you recommend that someone like myself would create a film so let's say all you have is a camera right because like for me all i have is a camera i had a tripod and someone broke it, so I don't have a tripod anymore. <laughs> um, so all, all I really have is a camera. Um, what would you recommend in terms of creating a film if all you have is yourself and a camera, and that's it? Yeah, well, whether you're interested in
1: <laughs> Sorry with
0: that. Okay. Um, I guess lately in my in my writing class, I'm taking you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm taking writing for a television comedy, um, and I find i i been writing a lot of, like, mockumentaries, like The Office, because I love that, that style, and I would love to do something like that. I'm just curious as to how that would work if it's just me.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, do you have a parent at home that can, like, film you? I do. Well, that's another body. So, you have <laughs> a person who can hold the camera and a person who can be in front of the camera so find something in the house that if i mean if it's a mockumentary you know it's like find something in the house that might be an interesting topic to create something upon where that be um i don't know i'll do this again a hydro flask um <laughs> you know create a story around a hydro flask and like how it's uh, important to somebody and how like they. You know maybe it got a dent and maybe like you know something and that and that and because this hydro flask is really important then it's like the end of the world or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, or you know it doesn't have to be a documentary. Maybe you know you are really interested in making commercials uh, find you know do a commercial about hydro flask or maybe you're interested in food uh do some product photography about food or something oh, that's, <laughs> no,
3: that's a good one that's a good one
1: you know and just Play around with what you have at home because, you know, it might be really hard to light something at home. But, you know, if you're doing, like, a mockumentary, you can do it in black and white. You can, you know, mm-hmm. just have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think on, on that note, one of the plus, one of the plus sides of making films at home is that it basically forces you to be more creative, I think. So once, you, once all of this is over, you come out with a new skill set that I feel like you otherwise wouldn't have. You know what I mean? Yeah. And
1: you know, that's something that's really important is to actually try and come out with a new skill set if you can and have the ability to. Um, because I mean right now I'm spending a lot of time playing video games and it kind of sucks because I feel like I should <laughs> be doing more. Literally um, same. And especially I don't know, for for both of us it's an, it's important to actually do like kind of anchor ourselves down and reel ourselves in because Adam you can like this time as an undergraduate is used for uh new learning mm-hmm. it doesn't probably have as much impact on you because you're getting free tuition mm-hmm. but for the rest of us like we're spending our own money to put ourselves in an environment to learn so that's what we need. should we should be doing you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: and for like me and Chris who like once this is all over, need to go find a job, like, we need to build our resume <laughs> and yeah. build up our real learning to actually, like, be like, hey, I have this; these qualifications. You should hire me, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, play around. If I sit around playing video games all the time, you know, nothing's <laughs> going to break that <laughs> yeah. happiness, as much as I would like to be. Film is not yeah. a, hey, here's your degree, you get a job.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think to add to that, um, if you're going to film something and you're going to, like, try to, like, make a film, right? The, if you're going to try to emulate something, focus on one specific aspect of that thing you're trying to emulate, not try to, like, focus on everything at the same time. It's really hard to nail multiple aspects and multiple factors of something um, on your first try. It's usually better if you try to nail one specific thing. So, like, for instance, The Office does a lot of um, kind of whip pans and zooms onto fa- people's faces and stuff. And what that does is that kind of like serves some of the awkwardness of the, you know, what just happened. And it kind of acts like someone turning their head to like see how someone reacts. Um, so if you're going to make a film at home, right, and you're going to emulate something, make sure it's specific. Make sure you're like copying very specific things. Uh, like, but also like Brendan was saying, um, as long as you have you and another warm body, you can create a lot of stuff. And even if you don't have a warm body, or even if you don't have a tripod, you can figure out ways to uh, use mount the camera. Body. Yeah, there cold you go. Body. Yeah. <laughs> get, get, okay. So the tip is get a corpse. No, but <laughs> um, in you can you can do a lot when you have your phone or you have um, your camera, and you just need to think about how you want something to play out. If if you can't move the frame, what in the frame is catching your attention and holding it, right? And I think as, you know, as funny as this is going to sound, I think a really good way to kind of think about that is to think about all the YouTubers that create content often from one room and how Mm -hmm. do they create content if they do sketches, how do they do that for the people that make TikToks, How do they create, you know, content that's interesting enough, you know, in one space? Right. What what about that is interesting enough to watch for however many seconds? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and kind of like, yeah, utilize what you have is what I'm trying to get at.
1: Yeah, a lot of my kind of short class projects that I did for uh, Mr. Quo's class was actually by myself, the tripod, the camera. And it's actually quite a like, it's, it's challenging, but it's quite a lot of stuff that you can do.
3: I think it's another yeah. good thing is to think about how can you look at the world differently? Um, if speci- uh, specifically from a camera's point of view, um, everyone knows a flat frame. Everyone generally knows a Dutch angle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some at home videos of people, you know, doing like literally hanging their camera from the ceiling or mounting it to the ceiling somehow. So it's looking straight down. And they use that in flat space to kind of create this like almost 2D side scroller feel where they create these environments with stuff around their house and they, like, you know, scale a mountain, quote unquote, but the mountain is a bunch of bed sheets that they like propped up to look like it. So I think within your limitations that you have, think about a way to make the world seem different from a different perspective or sound different. What about this place is unique and what about this place is something that you can work on?
1: Mm-hmm. Any last questions before we end the podcast?
0: What is mm-hmm. the meaning of life? No,
1: I'm kidding. <laughs> ah, jinx.
2: <laughs> there it is.
1: That's it. Thanks once again to Kristen. Kenton Brynmere, and Adam Destardins for joining me on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it and you listened to more.